Okay, wait, this is the remix. The legal lens is back at it again with Angela Red Eye Right. Go tell a friend. Unions in the labor movement, employment law, and doing the right thing. Reparations in COVID 19, voting rights. The insight is priceless. Can't be a late talk. You know we got it. Come on, let's go. It's time for the legal lens show. Come on, let's go. It's time for the legal lens show. Come on, let's go. It's time for the legal lens show. Come on, let's go. It's time for the legal lens. It's time for the legal lens. Go, 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 go. Go, go, Hello, hello, KBLA Talk 1580 listeners. This is the first weekend of April 2023, and you are tuned in to the KBLA Talk 1580 Legal Lens with Angela Redock Wright Show, and I am yours truly, Angela Redock Wright. We bring law to light each Saturday at 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time and each Sunday at 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. We are broadcasting to you live from Lamert Park, USA, which is a part of the famous Crenshaw District of Los Angeles. And those of you who listen to the show regularly know I love the Crenshaw area of Los Angeles and Destination Crenshaw is coming, an arts project in the district. So you definitely want to be on the lookout for that. Many thanks to JSTAR, JSTAR Music. You can follow her on Instagram. Thank you for our Legal Lens Remix jingle. We love it. It gets us going. Our guest this morning, Attorney Tony Haramia, we're here jamming and getting excited and energized for the show. So thank you, JSTAR. And you can follow her and all the great work she's doing on Instagram at JSTAR Music. Um, you can follow KBLA Talk 1580 on all socials um, throughout the week. And you can learn about our other shows. We have great hosts throughout the week. Dominique DePrima, our very own founder and visionary for the station, Tava Smiley, and so many others. So to hear about the, the various shows, download our KBLA Talk 1580 app and you can listen to us anywhere on the go. You can follow me, Angela Redock Wright, on all socials, but especially on Instagram and Facebook at I am Angela Redock Wright. I am Angela Redock Wright. And you can learn about our guests on the KBLA Talk 1580 um, Legal Lens show. You can provide us comments about our various shows and give us ideas about shows and see what other work we're doing in the legal community and beyond. So please, please follow both the station and me, Angela Redock Wright. Um, as I said, you can listen to us anywhere on the go by downloading our KBLA Talk 1580 app. And um, if you're old school, you can listen on your AM dial. And if you're like me when you're home or even when I'm out, out and about, I will tell Alexa to simply play KBLA Talk 1580 on tune in. So you definitely want to do that. You don't want to miss this show. In fact, you want to call a friend, a family member, a neighbor, and tell them that we have a great show lined up for you today. You also want to give us a call because we are live on our KBLA Talk 1580 power lines at 1-800-920-1580. That's one 800 920 
1580. And you can call with your questions and your comments on our topic today, which is about the California Crown Act and natural hair in the workplace, and how that ties into broader claims of race discrimination in the workplace. And we thank our very own county supervisor and board chair of the Board of Supervisors, I call, call her Madam Chair, um, Holly Mitchell, for her work in authoring and passing the helping to pass the first ever legislation around the Crown Act by an individual state um, in, I believe it was 2019 or 2020. So thank you, Supervisor Mitchell, for your work. And to help us um, dissect that topic and understand and understand how the legislation is now being practiced every day in the legal field, we have um, someone who I consider a friend. We've been friends for over 20 plus years. I won't date us. We, we met when we were like two years old. <laughs> um, but we've been friends and we've been colleagues in the legal community, um, especially our employment law community. And that is none other than um, employment law attorney and civil rights attorney, Tony Jeremia. Good morning, Tony. How are you today? I'm so good. Thank you so much, Angela. I am up here dancing uh, before we got on, and I'm so happy to be here. Good. Well, thank you for being here, and you look amazing. Thank you. And um, I'm especially honored that you're here today because normally um, we're both big on social media. So when I'm in the station and kind of glancing at social media, you're normally working out out on Saturday mornings if I yes get I am <laughs> right I, I moved that down to the afternoon so okay so we're good, good. all right keeping it fit and healthy I love it an inspiration to me for sure and so many others so um Tony I'm going to introduce her more in our next segment when we come forward but you I promise you you do not want to miss the show in addition to the work that she does around the crown act and employment law she also um, does civil rights law, um, particularly with respect to police misconduct and excessive force cases and related cases along those lines. So we'll talk a little bit about that as well. But she is a go-to plaintiff side, employee side, worker side, employment and civil rights attorney. So she is a resource for you. So while we have her here on any given day, she could be traveling throughout the state or engaged with her family or just doing other things. So while we have her here, here and a great mind like that, you want to give us a call at 1-800-920-1580 with your questions and with your comments. So when we come forward, we will continue our conversation about the California Crown Act, natural ha hairstyles in the workplace, race discrimination in the workplace, and then we'll try to touch a little bit on civil rights as well, just to see what the attorney here me is doing. So um, grab that don't turn that dial, download the app, call a friend, call a neighbor, and come forward with us. Thank you so much for continuing with us on KBLA Talk 1580. This is the Legal Lens Show with Angela, and that was Kirk Franklin and Smile. You know, we always like to get the show going with something inspirational. So thank you, Kirk Franklin, for your many, many great contributions to music. Today, we have a great show lined up for you. Of course, I'm biased. I always think we have great shows lined up for you, but this for sure is is one a great one and will be one of our top shows that I'm sure we will replay when we 
have the opportunity to do so. But we're talking about the California Crown Act and natural hairstyles in the workplace and connected to that broader issues and trends with respect to race discrimination cases in the workplace. And to help us with that conversation, we have someone I consider a dear friend and really a rock star in our legal community, particularly in our employment community. And that's none other than Tony, attorney Tony Jaramilla. Um, she's live with us in studio. So if you haven't already grabbed your phones to give us a call, give us a call at 1-800-920-1580 on our KBLA Talk 1580 power lines. Let me tell you a little bit about Tony. Um, Tony is an employment and civil rights attorney. Since 1994, she has successfully litigated hundreds of cases of discrimination, racial and sexual harassment, uh, the full gamut of employment law cases. Um, she also, it, within her practice, she represents everyone from minimum wage workers uh, to high-level executives in all industries. Um, she also is distinguishing herself as a civil rights attorney with respect to police misconduct and excessive force cases and has been on the front lines of meeting and advocating with folks like L.A. Chief um, of Police Michael Moore LA, former L.A. County Sheriff Alex Villanueva uh, following the murder and protests associated with um, the death of George Floyd. Um, she's a frequent speaker, uh, so we're happy that she's here speaking and, and engaged with us this morning. Uh, she's Filipina, and um, since her early days, at, since her days at UCLA undergrad, um, has uh, been on the forefront of fighting for issues for people of color and women and everything from testifying at the California legislature, helping to initiate and draft legislation associated with so many issues, particularly the Me Too movement and others. She is well decorated, so many awards, but we are happy to have her here with us today. Welcome again, Attorney Tony Jaramillo. Thank you, Angela. What a uh, honor to be here. Yes, and what's your official name? I, we call you Tony, but your your get your birth name is well, Tonette Haramia. And whenever you call me Tonette, my you know short is Tony. I'm always thinking that you're going to be calling me into the principal's office. So so I prefer Tony. <laughs> okay, okay, good, good. Well, thank you. And I'm glad to be able to call you Tony. So Tony, um, we were talking before the, the show began that, you know, that your work the work that you do um, is not something that you just woke up one day and like, oh, I'm going to be an employment attorney or civil rights attorney. That you, um, this vision and the passion that you have for the work that you do started early on. Tell us a little bit more about yourself and how you became an employment and civil rights attorney. Sure, absolutely. So I um, am the daughter of immigrant parents. Uh, they are from the Philippines. And when my father came to the United States, um, he was in the Navy. Uh, and uh, when the war ended, World War II, he had no options for work other than being a farm laborer. So a lot of my um, passion for working um, on behalf and advocating on behalf of laborers and employees is in part due to my father's experience as a farm laborer. And they had oppressive um, work conditions, as you know. Uh, there was the Delano um, strikes. And uh, he was, you know, experiencing a lot of the discrimination that a lot of the other farm workers has experienced. And so when I was at UCLA, I had to do a Asian American Studies class. And one was to interview someone 
who is an immigrant from um, with from Asian descent, and I interviewed my father. I learned yeah. about his backstory, and it just inspired me to work in the area of employment and labor. And and just speaking of farm laborers, we um, acknowledge that this weekend is uh, our Cesar Chavez celebrations right. all around in honor of his birthday. So, you know, um, we definitely pay tribute to Cesar Chavez and people like Dolores Huerta and your father and your yes. parents and yeah. for what they've done. And so, but at UCLA, in addition to your Asian studies class, um, you also are kind of a known, you're very active in terms of a student activist at UCLA. Yeah, it, um, I was uh, <laughs> an activist actually when I um, was an undergrad at UCLA, I was pre-med and I was uh, studying so that I could become a doctor. I think it was inspired in me by my parents. Are you going to be a doctor? Are you going to mm-hmm. be a doctor? So I figured, <laughs> yes. But um, all around me, as I was in the science lab, there was a lot of student activism, student protests on social issues, and I just got swept up in that mm-hmm. and started um, being in the, you know, marching with them. And I decided, uh, even after applying for law, for medical school and taking the MCAT, I'm like, I think law is where I am really, you know, in my element. Right. So I switched gears Mm -hmm. um, and now doing civil rights law. And then how did you become an employment lawyer? So you're in law school. Did you know you wanted to become an employment and civil rights lawyer? Um, Yeah. So I was active in the Philippine American Bar Association and, um, you know, a big plug to to them because they really help inspire uh, students to uh, work with other members of the organization. And that's what I did. And it was a um, my first job was with an employment lawyer and working and doing plane of side work. And I, um, you know, I, I, I was able to uh, take on cases uh, related to discrimination. It was, it's, it, my, my employer was a, was a solo practitioner. Mm-hmm. So when you work for a solo practitioner, you take cases from beginning to end. From right. Intake. You're thrown in the fire. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and so I was thrown in the fire mm-hmm. and I loved it and I have been doing it ever since. And then um, opened up my own practice and had just, you know, been doing that type of law ever since of representing workers on all types of discrimination and harassment claims, race-based, gender-based, mm-hmm. disability-based, everything. And when when did you open your own law firm? Oh, wow, that would be 1996. Oh, wow. Yeah. That, so. you've, that's um, 25, 26 years well, ago. Well, you're dating years. us. I know. <laughs> You were a child prodigy. I was. (laughs) (laughs) And so um, you kind of highlighted the types of cases you take on, but... um, my understanding, you're currently working on, you have a number of interesting cases, but one of them is related, specifically related to the Crown Act. Yes. Before we jump into that, tell our listeners, what is the Crown Act and kind of what does the law require in, um, based on the Crown Act? Sure. Okay. So the Crown Act, um, as you mentioned, then Senator Holly Mitchell um, authored the Crown Act. And I love the name. I love the acronym. It's Create a Respectful and Open World for Natural Hair. Uh, And it was signed into law in uh, July 3rd, 2019. And what that act does, it 
prohibits discrimination based on hairstyle and hair texture by clarifying that such discrimination is illegal under the Fair Employment and Housing Act and the Education Code. So it actually addresses not just um, employees in the mm-hmm. workplace, but students in public schools. Mm. Yeah. And so, we definitely hear it. We've heard a lot about the little kids in school right. that are sent home because of their hair. Right, mm-hmm. exactly. And it disparately, it disparately impacts, of course, and addresses the disparate impact of African Americans um, regarding, you know, the way they wear their hair naturally. Um, it includes not just just um, wearing natural hair as a, a, in an afro, but also in protective hairstyles such as dreadlocks, braids, you know, twists. Those um, hairstyles are also protected, and it mm-hmm. would be discriminatory based on race if an employer or a school has a appearance or grooming policy that prohibits those hairstyles. Right, right. And I might mention just for our audience that you're your own daughters, right, are biracial, right? Yes. Part Filipino and part African American. Correct. And so, and I've seen them. They wear their hair in some really great styles. Yes. Sometimes cornrows, sometimes all sorts of really cool, creative styles. Right. Okay. Right. And so, um, and also for our listeners, my understanding is the Crown Act is now passed in 18 states, but California, as it always is, is the first state to do many things. And yes. it's not currently in federal law. President Biden, of course supports it but it is passed in the house but it hasn't um passed in the senate and it my understanding is not even on the agenda anytime soon so maybe in the next session it'll come up again absolutely okay and so the case you're working on um well did, once it passed did you start to get calls in your office with individuals saying hey i feel like i'm, I'm maybe being discriminated against based on my hair hairstyles anything to that effect yeah so i i continue to get calls on race uh, discrimination cases lots of um, sexual harassment cases because of the Me Too movement, as mm-hmm. you know. Um, and I, yes, I have started getting uh, cases related to the uh, grooming policy of their employers, um, including this one that I'm working on, too, regarding a, um African-American female. She's a food server at a high-end restaurant. Mm-hmm. Um, and part of the look, you know, that they have at the restaurant um, includes uh you know not just you know tight fitting clothing so it's also a gender discrimination and sexual harassment mm-hmm. uh, claim mm-hmm. as well uh, there's issues there and I could talk a little bit about that too mm-hmm. but um one of the big aspects of her case is the fact that the look that this restaurant requires is such that she had to um either straighten her hair pull it back. She was not allowed to wear her hair naturally. Mm-hmm. Um, and and she, for her, what was that? Like, what's her, what natural hairstyle did she want to wear? Yes, wear? would be um, very curly, um, would be very curly. Actually, mm-hmm. it's beautiful mm-hmm. in my view, but mm-hmm. very curly hair. They wanted her to straighten it. Okay. They wanted her to pull it back. Um, mm-hmm. And she would be reprimanded if she did not. And so... 
with the Crown Act now in place, mm-hmm. uh, that in and of itself is discriminatory. It's race discrimination to have that type of policy. Mm-hmm. So um, since the Crown Act was in place, it really made those types of claims easier. Mm-hmm. And I can talk about a case that I had prior to the Crown Act mm-hmm. and, and how that was um, very challenging. Okay. It was... Um, in- Wait, hold that before we go okay. to that case. The, the case you're currently working on, one, has it been filed? Is it it public? has been it is filed. a public lawsuit? Okay. Yes. And it- uh, do you feel comfortable... Saying on air, you prefer not to. Yeah, I think I'll 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 not. Okay. Um, there is a uh, you know, and this is another topic for another day. An arbitration agreement. Okay, okay. <laughs> and so um, right. there is an arbitration agreement that and we believe we we can challenge, but it, but in, in any event, um, it has been filed, um, mm-hmm. and we're at the early stages. Uh, you know, I've I've uh, believe we're going to go into mediation on it mm-hmm. um, because there are you know in my view, you know, very strong claims and issues. And right, so right. hopefully the <laughs> employer sees the, that the, the value right of thing. mediation. Right. Yes. No. And of course, you know, I'm a fan of mediation. <laughs> oh, yes. And you're and a great so, mediator. <laughs> thank <laughs> you. Thank you. And so is there a written policy in place with this particular company in case where they're saying your hair has to be look a certain way or groomed a certain way and also that you also have to dress a certain way is it in writing there is and there is and there's training regarding that so Mm -hmm. this one is not as blatant as my other case pre-crown act Mm -hmm. where they specifically had a picture of an african-american woman with braids with a big crossover it that's before that's like per se yes that's per se race discrimination if it was present day with the Crown Act. Mm -hmm. But their policy is not so much... uh, very explicit in that regard. They do have a look and appearance policy, but it's it's in the verbal implementation of mm-hmm. that policy. Okay. Um, approaching her and telling her uh, her hair cannot be that way. Um, she needs to change it. Um, and so that's why um, you know it, it's it's one again. It, it impacts um, African American uh, employees, and it's you know it's. It, it really has a financial and economic impact, mm-hmm. right, on employees. You can't, how much does it cost to have to straighten, straighten your, your hair? hair? Right, right. You know, and, and the damage that it causes, right, right? Right, So to have those types of grooming and appearance policies um, is, you know, now thankfully unlawful. Yeah. And the damage, not just to your hair itself but to your emotion and your psyche and your emotions and your psyche and absolutely internalizing who you are and that right. being challenged and so in this instance I don't know if it's a multi-chain restaurant or just a single restaurant but do you get the sense that it's just kind of one bad apple the manager or whoever that's you know saying you got to do it this way or is it a part of the culture of that that particular restaurant it's part of a culture it's a restaurant group mm-hmm. uh, so they're um throughout um, uh, the uh, California, mm-hmm. um, I believe in other parts of the state. And so it's a um, corporate culture mm-hmm. to have this look. And we find that a lot in mm-hmm. the um, industry, in the um, 
the food service industry mm-hmm. as retail retail like that. exactly mm-hmm. high end retail high end mm-hmm. retail where mm-hmm. looks are very um, emphasized and and not to say that an employer cannot have a grooming and appearance policy mm-hmm. you know keep your fingernails neat you know hair you know nice mm-hmm. you know but what's the definition of that because we see uh, you know society looks at Um, African-American hair, when worn naturally, to be unprofessional, right? Mm -hmm. We've heard that. Um, Unprofessional or unkept. I mean, these are some of the, you know, social biases that the Crown Act addresses. Right, right. And what, um, we have a couple minutes before we come forward, but what has been the initial response of the company? Are they saying, hey, you know, we were treating this person the same as we treat everyone or... um, are there other African-American employees that they asked to do the same thing? What's been their, their initial response? Yeah. Well, the response in the defense has always been legitimate business reason. Okay. We need, you know, food industry, we need to keep the hair from falling onto food, you know, cause she's a food server. Um, and so we need to keep the hair back and pulled back, et cetera. But fine. She could do that. She doesn't have to straighten her hair. She doesn't have to not wear it natural. Mm-hmm. You know, she can um, she can certainly comply with the legitimate business reasons of keeping hair, you know, away from um, the face or away from potentially falling onto food. Right, right. Which we as consumers right. have an interest too, right? Of you course. know, we will definitely send the food back if we see hair <laughs> in it or what have you. But to your point, um, I've heard birds buzzwords used like nice or yes. professional. And so it's really it seems that the lawsuits i.e. your lawsuit and hopefully those in the future really will focus on redefining what's nice, what's professional, what's, you know, appropriate for for work in the workplace. Exactly. Folks, we are having a, a great conversation, an important conversation with attorney Tony Jeremia, who is a rock star of an employment and civil rights attorney, and we're so happy to have her in studio today. Please give us a call, 1-800-920-1580 with your questions when we come forward. Thank you for continuing with us on KBLA Talk 1580. This is the Legal Lens Show with Angela. And that is Ty Dalla uh, with his song, Blessings. So those of you who follow the show on a regular basis, you know we always ask our guests um, when they're going to be live in studio what some of their favorite songs are or artists. And so thank you, Tony, for recommending Ty Dollar this morning. And we're going to play a couple of your other favorite artists as well. We are talking about the Crown Act, um, which was passed in California, authored by former state senator, now county supervisor, Holly Mitchell, um, and now passed in 18 states. And we're talking about that with attorney Tony Jeremia, who is here in studio. So please give us a call. She's a top employment and civil rights attorney, so she can answer questions that you may have about the Crown Act, race discrimination cases, civil rights cases at our KBLA Talk 1580 Power Lines, 1-800-920-1580. So, Tony, before we came forward, you gave us an overview of what the Crown Act is, what it protects, and also a current case you're working on uh, with a a woman who works in a high-end restaurant chain. Um, Tell us, uh, I asked the question um, during the break, was your client in this case, was she terminated or is she still working there? Uh, She uh, 
was forced to resign. Okay. So there were other issues going on regarding uh, diners sexually harassing her, calling her the N-word, grabbing her hair, um, things like that that the employer is supposed to protect her from. Okay. And so, uh, and there were other issues regarding uh, safety in the workplace, COVID restrictions and um, measures that weren't implemented. And uh, so she ultimately... Uh, was forced to resign. Okay, and we call that a constructive termination exactly. claim, the <laughs> legal term of art there. Mm-hmm. So um, your total set of claims in that case are for what, race discrimination. Is is there an actual claim for violation of the Crown Act, or do you include that as a race discrimination claim? Yes, it's included as a race discrimination claim under the Fair Employment and Housing Act. Okay. So, uh, and then it's a gender discrimination and sexual harassment claim hostile work environment because of what the diners were doing to her as well as her supervisor and calling her um, you know making uh, inappropriate sexual comments about her body um, and ultimately a constructive discharge claim failure to prevent discrimination and harassment in the workplace is another big one okay well it definitely sounds like an important case which we'll be checking in with you on and we thank you for representing and being on the front lines of, you know, bringing forward these newer cases around the Crown Act. And so you you referenced the Fair Employment and Housing Act. And for those who may not know, some may know, um, in California, um, we have the Fair Employment and Housing Act, which is the overarching act that prevents discrimin- uh, individuals from being discriminated against and harassed in the workplace based on race, gender, and so many other protected categories. Tony, tell us how, um, you know, many might say, well, we didn't really need the Crown Act because we already had, you know, the Fair Employment and Housing Act, which prevents race discrimination in the workplace. How does the Fair Employment and Housing Act and Crown Act correlate? And why did we need the Crown Act right. to add to that? Okay, so the Crown Act, what it does is it, it adds the definition of race for the purposes of the Fair Employment and Housing Act to now include, quote, traits historically associated with race, including but not limited to hair texture and protective hairstyles. So the act defines protective hairstyles to include, but is not limited to, hairstyles frequently worn by African Americans, such as braids, dreadlocks, locks, twists, and it also, just as a reminder, applies to public schools. I wanted mm-hmm. to mention that. But um, so it defines race to include historically um, traits historically associated with race. And mm-hmm. so that's how we get into, um, you know, natural hair, uh, because, you know, it really does make a difference. And I'll, I'll, if I can talk about this prior case that right, I had, right. which was... And it was pre-Crown Act, pre, your prior Crown Act? Yes, case? it was pre-Crown Act. Very similar facts. My client was a, actually, she was a hostess at a restaurant. So she wasn't even a food server, mm-hmm. but she was a hostess at, at the restaurant. And the uh, restaurant actually had training on how, what to look like, their grooming and appearance policy. Was what, this a high-end restaurant as well, or was just more it's of a... It's a very everything. popular um, restaurant chain, mm-hmm. so it wasn't necessarily like the high-end where, you know, steak for $50, but, mm-hmm. you know, maybe ham- I'll just say hamburgers for, you know, $20. Right, right, <laughs> but, okay. Uh, but a popular <laughs> restaurant chain, and 
their training on how to look or what to look and how to wear your hair mm-hmm. literally had a picture of an African-American woman in braids with a big red cross over it. Don't look like that. You know, and I was, you know, infuriated. I'm like, this has to be per se discriminatory. Right. And so was this like in the break room or? It was when you're onboarded to to work at the restaurant, you go through a training and you go through a um, online training and they have slides that show you like how to appear, how to dress, you know, how, you know, like your nails, you know, fine, you know, all those cut short and, you know, know, natural. Although that could be an issue these days because we see people being a lot more creative and expressive with their nails these days. But that's that's probably a little different. That's another show. But that is another show. And by the way, if you're going to let now it's you have to be gender neutral now, just as an aside, you have to let men wear nail polish if you're going to let women wear nail polish. Right. Right. Gender neutral. But anyway. And so in that case, my client um, wore her hair in Senegalese twists. Mm -hmm. And so for those who know what that looks like, one, it's beautiful. But second, there's not a single strand that like comes out. So like the most perfect hairstyle. you can have. So there is no issue of. Food, you know, hair could get into the food, et cetera. Um, And so she was fired. They said, you need to undo that. Um, That would cost a lot of money. Um, And she wasn't going to do that. It's like, you know, why? How is this? You know, how is this a violation? And they're like, yeah, look at our look at our grouping policy. It says, no, if you're going to wear braids, you can't have more than two. You know, like two braids. Oh, like two ponytail Yeah, like two ponytail braids. braids. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to have, and you can't wear twists with like the numerous twists all mm-hmm. over your hair, uh, all over your head. Um, and so they're saying they're signing to that policy. So, you know, now if if the Crown Act was in place, I could have said, per se, that's a that's race discrimination. Right, and I right. win. Mm-hmm. I win just by that evidence alone of your policy. But I couldn't then because I had to show that they were implementing this supposedly race neutral policy, mm-hmm. uh, grooming policy um, in a discriminatory way. So I had to find a white or non-black counterpart mm-hmm. where they were allowing that person to violate the hair policy left and right mm-hmm. and not not firing her. And mm-hmm. I did. She said, yeah, go to, you know, she told me the, the hostess's um, white female. Are- um, and what her shift was. And I literally went to the restaurant uh, as if I was going to take a, uh, right. you know, employment lawyer in overtime. <laughs> and I took a picture. Her hair was like all over the place. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she, obviously she was still working. So that was the way to prove it then. Mm-hmm. Uh, much more difficult because if I don't have a comparator mm-hmm. now um, with the Crown Act, we've got a per se violation. If the grooming policy is such that you can't allow uh people to wear their hair natural or in dreadlocks or in twists or what have you. So what happened in that case? Did you all settle it? We did. Uh, probably not to be as much, um, you know. as a, a, Not the it, same value then as yeah, it would have yeah, now yeah, with the Crown Act. Yeah, exactly. So the Crown Act definitely is making a difference in terms of, as you said, being able to specifically establish a violation right. or per se violation and thus also raising the value of these claims. Correct. Wow. Well, thank you for being on the front lines. Um, David Lee, I want you to know that we see you on the line. And when we come forward, we will bring you in to say hello to our guest, Tony Hiramia. We're talking about natural hairstyles in the workplace and the Crown Act. And we'll just turn a corner a little bit and talk about um, any other trends you're seeing. Attorney Hiramia in race discrimination cases and also your work, some of the work you're doing around civil rights. So stay tuned. We're 
having a great show and you don't want to miss it. Yes, yes, that is Tupac. Keep your head up. And thank you to our guest this morning, uh, Tony Hermia, attorney Tony Hermia, who gave us our song list for today. And Tupac is one of her favorites. And you have a little story about Tupac, an, a sad story, yeah. unfortunately. Yeah, I, I actually um, was at the club uh, before he was um, murdered. He was getting his car. I was getting my car at the valet. And he waved at me and winked at me you know a little flirting and uh you know then i heard after that you know he went off with his in his vehicle and i went in mine and i heard after that about his you know unfortunate um murder and that was yeah it's definitely a loss for for our world yes and speaking of things that make us sad we also send our hearts out thoughts and prayers and love and hugs to uh, Mark Ridley Thomas, public servant leader. Uh, we just want you to know that here at KBLA Talk 1580 and me personally, we love you. We're praying for you and your family and we're always here for you. So um, with that, we're talking about the California Crown Act and natural hairstyles in the workplace and race discrimination cases with attorney Hermia. She's given us some great insights and someone on the line wants to say hello to you. And I believe it's one of our colleagues. I want to say it's attorney David Lee. Um, David, um, let's bring you in. I think our engineer, uh, let's bring our caller in, David Lee. Yes. Hey, hey, good morning. Is Um, this the David we think we, is this the David we know and love? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Hey, David. Um, Yes, I I think so. Hey, Tony, how are you doing? Good. How are you? What did you I'm want to say, great. David? Well, you know what? I was just listening to, um, you know, Tony talk about her days at UCLA. And, you know, I'm, I'm just a big fan of Tony. You know, it was great to hear about how um, she was able to interview her dad um, and and use that as a motivation and inspiration to start her, you know, career. And, you know, like you said, um, Mrs. Reddick Wright, I mean, she's, she's definitely a rock star in our legal community. And I know yesterday was the last day of Women's History Month, but, you know, Tony, I mean, you continue to make history every day. And with what you're doing, you know, you're making an imprint in the legal communities in our state, our country, and in the world. And, I just want to say as an Asian, as another attorney, as an Angelino, and as another fellow human being, you know, thank you for all the work that you've done. And I just want to encourage and support you in continuing your fight and ending the injustice in our workplace and in our communities. Thank you so much, David. That really touches me. I really appreciate it. You made my day. Thank you. Thank you, David. I'm just a big fan. I mean, I was looking at, I was just looking at all the work that you've been doing. You know, I just typed your name on Google and I see all these articles coming up. I mean, making an oral argument before the Court of Appeals when your baby is due in a sexual harassment case. I mean, you know, I'm just a big fan, Tony, and it's really an honor to, you know, know you and, you know, work with you and refer cases to you and, you know, a lot of respect. 
Thank you so much, uh, David, you. for calling in. And David Lee is also a plaintiff and workerside attorney. So great him attorney. up as well, a rising rock star. Absolutely. So, David, with those words, we're going to um, go ahead and see if we can close out the show. Never enough time. Uh, we have a few minutes here. So, um, Tony, for our guests, if they believe they're facing um, race discrimination or hair discrimination at work, what what are some immediate steps that they can take in addition to calling you? <laughs> yeah, right. Well, documentation and reporting. You need to report that. You need to stand up for yourself and report it. And I know it's a scary thing because you're afraid of retaliation, getting fired for standing up and reporting uh, acts of discrimination. But the law protects you. The law protects um, employees who complain uh, and whistleblowers who talk about uh, unfair treatment in the workplace or unsafe uh, work place conditions. So, you know, the advice is to report it, document that report. Mm -hmm. Don't do it just orally because they'll feign ignorance at the end of the day. Right. When you file your lawsuit, she didn't say anything. She didn't report that she was being um, harassed. Mm -hmm. So, yes, report it and document that report. Right. When, oftentimes, I don't practice anymore, but when people call me and I too refer them to people like Tony and David and others, um, I'll say, you know, they'll talk to you, but the first thing they're going to ask is if you've been documenting, if you've reported it, um, has any adverse action been taken against you? Because until you have that, it's harder to establish a, a case on the front end. Right. Tony, you're do also doing civil rights work and other cases. Anything else you're working on? Uh, that our listeners would be interested in? Yeah, no, I've been doing um, civil rights cases. Like I said, I've been a social activist since, since um, a college. So I've actually been doing, quote, civil rights cases and activism on that. Um, and I've um, been uh, representing victims of police brutality. And one that uh, is really, really atrocious is one where my client was beaten by um, six to eight uh, sheriff deputies uh, and practically popped his eyeball out and oh, wow. uh yeah so that that's uh in the throes of litigation and and resolution okay. hopefully okay. um but you know i'm i'm continuing my employment law practice uh in and that's uh, always been a love and passion of mine, representing employees on all types of um, cases and race discrimination and sexual harassment right. and uh, accommodations, uh, disability accommodations. Okay. And as David mentioned, if you Google Tony, you'll see that she's not only active in everyday practice of law, but also in terms of helping to change and impact the, le uh, the legal industry. Um, you've been instrumental in helping get some legislation passed. Yeah. Um, so during the Me Too movement, um, I was very um, active with the California Employment Lawyers Association's SELA um, legislative um, and policy director. And uh, one that I'm very proud of, AB9, was extending the statute of limitation from one year to three years to file a complaint of sexual harassment and discrimination um, with the Department of, well, it's now called the Civil Rights Department with the Department of Fair Employment and Housing. That's the former name. Um, and so that is really impactful because a lot of people, as I mentioned, are afraid to report uh, discrimination or sexual harassment due to embarrassment or fear of retaliation. And so the one year extending that to three years to come forward really helps and enforce just the strength of, you know, our laws in California. Indeed. Now that is, that's so important. And then you've been active also with um, helping to bring 
lawyers of color and yes. inspire students and future lawyers of color into yeah. the profession. Yes, I've um, always been um, an advocate of diversity, racial and gender diversity, and in, in all the organizations I've been involved with and been leader of, such as SELA, and now with the California Lawyers Association, I'm the chair of the DEI committee, where we are making sure that that our own um, policies with the uh, California Lawyers Association um, promotes diversity and includes programming where the speakers are diverse culturally, racially, and gender, um, and also our um, leadership is diverse. And so, you know, we have to be part of the conversation. We have to be invited to the table and we have to lean in. We have to have diversity in all aspects of the legal profession. And that's um, a passion that I've always, um, you know, had and been with me. Uh, and so, you know, I guess on my spare time. <laughs> <laughs> what spare time? I know. I, I, I like to do that and advocate for that. And so uh, sometimes um, plaintiff's attorneys in particular will partner with other plaintiff's attorneys and co-counsel. And I know one of your top co-counseling uh, relationships with the attorney we have had on the show before, Bernard Alexander. Right. Uh, for the listeners who don't know, he's the attorney that, uh, one of the attorneys that got the big verdict against Tesla um, about a year or two ago, right. a race discrimination case. So we'd like to give a shout out to Bernard. Are the two of you working on anything Oh, yeah, together. Right. Yeah. Well, so I'm of counsel to his firm uh, or he's of counsel with, of mine, I guess. Uh -huh. And we're working on a lot of civil rights cases and we're working on another Tesla case. He's actually waiting for a verdict. They're redoing the Tesla um, damages component of that big historic verdict. Right. That so, was the largest the his, at that time. Yes. Right? His, the largest the race, race discrimination. Exactly. Single plaintiff. And so we're waiting for a verdict on that, on, on a retry of the damages. But um, yeah, we're working on... Um, a lot of civil rights cases as well as uh, another Tesla uh, employment case. So Tony Jaramilla is definitely one of the attorneys, if not the first attorney you call if you are facing um, employment discrimination or believe you're facing employment or other forms of discrimination or harassment at work. Tony, how can our listeners follow you and get in contact with your office if they have a legal matter? Oh, sure. So I'm on social media. So I have a Facebook page with my firm. It's Tony, T-O-N-I, Haramia, J-A-R-A-M-I-L-L-A. -L -L -A. Uh, you can reach me by calling my office. It's 310 Five five one thirty twenty, or you could email me Tony T O N I at T J J Law dot com. I look forward to hearing from 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 you. So wonderful! Well, thank, thank you, you yeah. so much, Tony, for being in studio with us today. You've given us so many gems of information and insights about um, the Crown Act and how it's being enacted in uh, litigation these days, um, race discrimination claims, and how that ties together, and just some of your other work. And we just, um, I agree with David as a fellow attorney. I'm just so proud of you, and thank you for all you do. To to make our work and our profession um, a better profession. Uh, we just appreciate you and applaud you and welcome you back um, as well. I should Thank also you. mention, um, we hope to have Tony's husband on one day soon. He's a retired public defender. And so he, we, Aaron, we're, I'm sending the invitation <laughs> to you on live on, on air. So you have to come in, talk about the work of a public defender and how important it is. And he recently represented someone that will, will want to hear some insight 
highlights about that that particular case, a case of interest to our community for sure. Um, well, folks, as they say on Looney Tunes uh, Saturday morning <laughs> cartoons, that's all, folks. Up next, we have Talk Tech to Me with Cassie Betts. You definitely want to tune into her show and tune into the Legal Lens Show again next weekend where we have um, fresh fresh woman, assembly woman, Tina, Tina McKenna, who's going to talk about her work in the assembly. Until then, I leave you with the words of former NFL player, also known as Tyler Rose, who celebrated a birthday this week. His name is Earl Campbell. If it weren't for the dark days, we wouldn't know what it is to walk in the light. So walk in the light, folks, this weekend, especially because it's a beautiful weekend, at least here in Los Angeles. Remember to smile and to show love and kindness to someone today because we need a lot more of that. Signing off, this is the Angela Reddock Wright Show, uh, the Legal Lens Show with Angela Reddock Wright on KBLA Talk 1580. KBLA 1580 Santa Monica.